0: Hello, everybody. Yes, I have my singing voice because on the last podcast, Claire was encouraging us all to sing. Did you do
1: it then? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did actually going home. I was listening to Bruce Springsteen in the car and I love Bruce Springsteen. And I, I, was, I was actually practicing trying to get that gravelly voice, um, but ended up with sore throat. That is another <laughs> story. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking Flutes this week. It is Claire's one, and I shouldn't have started the introduction, but, uh, you I'll know, you can't one. you can't stop me from talking, can you? What we got this week? Do you want me to read the questions, yes, Claire? Yes, that would
1: be lovely. Thank you.
0: Right. The question is from a C. Karoyinski. Sorry if I haven't uh, enunciated that well. And it says, again, I haven't got my glasses with me, so I'm having to hold it a long way away. When you are tonguing in a piece... How do you know which tongue to use, such as oh da tuck tick etc? As I get confused and the music doesn't tell me. Okay, click. I will reread this in how I think this person probably means. When you're tonguing in a piece, how do you know which type of tonguing to use, such as tucker tucker tucker, ducker ducker tick ticka ticka ticka, or if he's talking about single tonguing, da ta tick or Gar, I suppose. Goodness. Yeah. That's <laughs> How do you know? Um for cracking.
1: that's
0: a minefield, this one.
1: Yes, it is really. So what is articulation? Articulation is the use of the tongue to enable us to speak or play with clarity. Yep. So we all have the the problem with artic- problem for all of us when we're tonguing is that we can't see can't see what we're doing. So we have to experiment in order to see what works and what gives us that most clarity because we need to be understood by the people listening to us. And the reason why the pieces don't tell us what to use is not quite the same as you see as as, um, if you look at string players. They're often in in their editions are told whether it's an, an up bow or a down bow. But for us, we have to experiment because we're all different. So let's take a single tongue. There are many different syllables you can use. And it's a bit like we've talked before about colours, uh, the oohs, ahs, eyes, a's, e's, to change the sound, the actual tone of your flute. And if you put... T on the beginning of that, tu, to ta t'ai, t, you get one sound. If you do d du, do du, do da da d, you get another sound. And you have to start thinking about how do you tongue, where does the tongue hit? Which part of the mouth? So if you're thinking of more tus and t's and twos, the tongue using the tip of the tongue at the front of the mouth. If you're using more of a D, D's, 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 your tongue is a little bit further back and it's a little bit softer so the T sounds have got more bite, a crisper sound and the D sounds have got a softer, gentler effect. So you have to go with the resulting effect. I mean sometimes you're teaching and you're saying it sounds really too clipped, your tonguing. So change the syllable, do do a a d rather than a t and they do it and nothing happens. Because you but you can't see. So each individual has to has to really think. You have to develop a sense of feel. Where is your tongue hitting and what is the effect? And try different syllables. And every piece is is making demands. So if you're playing a piece with lots of staccato dots on the notes, then you need something that's crisper and a little bit detached. So maybe the tongue is a little bit more forward. But if you've got a, a, a Bach sonata with lots of semi that are articulated, maybe they need to be a little bit longer. And so it's sort of easier on the ear, let's say. Yeah. And the airstream is a little bit more continuous. So with the D sounds, your airstream can be a little bit more continuous. With the T sounds, it can often interrupt the airstream a little bit more. So each syllable has a different effect. And you have to decide what effect that needs. And remember the articulation is only the beginning. It's only the clarity at the beginning of the note. So if your sound's rubbish afterwards, it doesn't really matter what you do for the the tonguing. So that's why we always say practice your tone, then your finger technique, and then your articulation. Because your articulation is only as good as your tone or, or your finger technique. So you've got to do this in in stages again so i would say experiment have a go all the different all the different syllables and see what works one thing that we do know is that if you use more tongue to hit wherever it hits it gets a little bit more clunky and heavy and the airstream is inhibited more so we need the tongue to be very light if that makes sense Um, And we haven't even talked about forward tonguing. So in many countries, they don't go t, they go th. So the tongue is between the lips. And you're sort of stroking almost the top lip for tonguing. Single and double. So it's a th or a thka. So it changes according to what country you're in, what language you speak. It always used to be that you could always tell somebody from France, or from Italy, or Spain, their articulation was so much better. And the English, and the Americans, and the Germans weren't as good, weren't as clear. And it's all to do with language. Sometimes the stronger the accent you have, the less clear articulation on the flute is. So it's, it's a case of retraining, retraining how your tongue works, and go with the resulting effect. And as you go faster, you need more air to compensate. And you can try this if you just blow a note, a long note, and then blow the same note doing double tonguing without changing airstream. The sound is less. So it's like going ba so once you start articulating more, it inhibits the sound. So as you articulate more, we need a little bit more airstream to compensate. And then again, we've got different syllables: tucker, dugga. So there's lots of lots of different things. I, I remember. I forget which way round it was. I know that William Bennett always used to say, always practice double-tonguing slowly. Trevor Wye said, never practice double-tonguing slowly. Geoffrey Gilbert said, practice g-g-g on its own. William Bennett said, never do that. You're sort of lost. And what I learned from that is you try everything. Don't miss out any type of technique, exercise you can do. We were talking in the last podcast about sometimes you practice a problem. It helps you understand the problem. Mm -hmm. So same with articulation. If somebody said to me, well, I was told never practice slowly. And then I had a lesson with William Bennett and he said, let's do this slow double tugging. And I was thinking, oh, sacrilege. And I, but I did it. And within, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 minutes, I was articulating so much better because I knew what my tongue was doing. Yeah. You know, because in double-tonguing, T is forward, and G, or whichever syllable you use, T-K or D-G is further back. So the G or the K, you have to sort of throw that note out. So you go T-K. You, th- you throw it out more than the T. So it sounds at the same time. Otherwise you get T-K-H, T-K-H. There's a delay. So by practising it slowly... The technique improves, and that worked for me. So I'd always learnt that you shouldn't play it slowly, and then lesson with William Bennett, practise it slowly, okay, and then it, I improved no end.
0: So S- the, the tonguing thing, as you've, it, it's really important to understand obviously the process of tonguing. But if you, if I go back to the the, the root point here, if I think of an example, think of the Mozart. And think as if you went... It wouldn't work, would it? No. And it's understanding the type and style of music that you're playing, isn't it?
1: Absolute type and style. And also this thing that if a dot's on a note, it's staccato. No, it's not. It's detached. It's just detached.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. A dot just means detached.
1: Yeah. Just means detached. So, and you often hear things like... Yeah, well, like the, like the Mozart. Or you hear a Bach sonata that goes... Mm. Which, but there are no dots. If you keep the length of the, of, of the note, then the sound flows, the music flows. It's, it makes more sense. So be very careful of, of, of staccato, of clipping notes.
0: Yeah, clipping, staccato clipping. But as you say, the dot doesn't mean staccato. No. Even though you're taught that a dot over the you're top is staccato, that. it's no. a release, isn't it? it is a, there's a gap between that and the next note.
1: It's detached. But a, a semi with a dot is different to a minimum with a dot. Yeah. So you have to keep the as the notes get longer you have to keep those notes longer.
0: <laughs> and it's contextualised as well, isn't it? The dot the, the length of the dot is predetermined by the piece of music you're playing. Yeah,
1: the style. The yeah. style and the era. Absolutely.
0: There's always a gap between, isn't there? But it's the length of that gap that is school. Pre-
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just sang then. Hey, hey. You did.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> I don't yeah. think i will quite go that far, Claire. Um, we we got another question, haven't we? This is from James Treadwell, who said, "I heard Claire's fascinating play score podcast, and in it she mentioned copyright. I know I shouldn't photocopy music, but is there anything else I can't do?" Now, I think copyright. I think let's let's talk about copyright. As so. you you rightly brought it up with yeah. the play score. Interview. And by the way, PlayScore is brilliant, by the way. Go and check it out and check Claire's podcast out with the uh, creator himself. So let's talk po- uh, okay, copywriting. so
1: this is, in one sense, it's very simple. Unauthorised use of music is illegal. So it's theft. Yep. All right. So I, I looked up the details just before you came. Copyright. So music is protected for 70 years after a composer's death. Or 95 years after publication. Or 120 years from creation. Now, you can ask for permission from publishers to copy very small sections. For example, in my Expression of Colour book and in my Flute Reboot book, I have permission to use just a few bars of various pieces. And I had to pay for most of those. Mm -hmm. So you have to pay a fee to use. And sometimes it was only for for two bars or for four bars. But you have to pay. So the law protects composers and publishers. It preserves the, 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 the fairness of it and the justice of it. Composers and publishers need to earn a living. You know, and they do that because they write their music and then people buy their music. And when you hear people saying, oh, I'm only copying just the one piece. But you know, if you go and buy a cup of coffee, you pay for it, but you're just buying one cup of coffee. Mm or if, you, if you're going to buy a sandwich, you, you pay for it. If you, if you want a piece of music, you pay for it. And if someone else wants that piece, they don't get a copy off you, they, they go and buy it. Now, there are occasions when you can get permission to photocopy a page for a page turn, but you're only copying part of that piece for you, not for anybody else. I remember I had a, a, a trip abroad doing masterclasses, and, Everybody, I won't say where it was, but everybody had photocopied music. No one had a proper part. Oh. And I found it really difficult because, as I said, it's, it's theft. But they, when I tried to have a little chat about that within the class, they didn't understand it. They said, but it's so expensive. We can't get the music so easily. Yes, that makes it really difficult, but it's someone else's property that needs to be paid for. Even some years ago, I was doing the the exams at the, the, the Royal Academy here in London. And my sequence book, my sequentials book was part of the curriculum for the technical exam. And a student came in to take her technical exam with my sequential book. And the book was fully copied and beautifully bound. And I was thinking, I don't recognize. She's playing my sequences, but I don't recognize the book. So I, I asked her about it. She said, oh, yes, my teacher made many copies and gave them as presents. Oh. And I said, that's theft. Mm. And she, she just didn't get it. And I said, you know, I actually should not be giving you this exam. You shouldn't be doing this exam. You shouldn't pass this exam because you've come with illegal music. And I'm the one that's missed out. You know.
0: Is it like a... A painter or somebody draws, draws a picture. So you have the original. Mm-hmm. And then they will make limited edition copies that they will sell.
1: Yes, but so it's their own copyright. Which is it's their, their copyright. own
0: copyright. In effect, what you did then was you created a book, Colours of Sound or Sequentials or Flute Reboot. It's been printed. So that is the original. And that is as far... that. So that, that will be the limited edition, won't it? Because it's on a print run. So you have the original, and then when it's printed, it's the limited edition run. So you buy that from whichever source you you go to. If you photocopy that, then you're actually photocopying something that has zero copyright, and it's actually a fake, in in essence, Hmm. and is doing the creator out of what is, in essence, a really hard living anyway.
1: And a very small fee, because the publishers Hmm. make more money than the <laughs> they do That's than the composers. I mean, yeah. we make there's a, it's a tiny amount of royalties you get from your published work, and yet you've spent years doing yeah. it. And, you know, and you think if you think about all the hours you put into a book, I'm at a huge loss for the books I've written. A mm-hmm. huge loss. You know, you don't, but you don't go in it to make money. But if then somebody steals it, it feels even worse because all those hours you put into it and someone's just taken it and then they copy it for somebody else so you have to really think long and hard about ever copying anything you have to check what the copyright laws are, now there are various sites you can go to that have music that's out of copyright that you can download but again you've just got to, you've got to check and I know all the conservatoires every now and again somebody comes along to do a spot check and walks into lessons to see that you're teaching off published music and you're in big trouble. The the conservators will get a huge fine if one of their teachers is teaching someone who's got a photocopy.
0: Yeah, and understandably. Now, the the issue you may have nowadays is when people prefer or quite like playing and performing or even practising with iPads and... There has to be an electronic version of that music on their iPad, and they normally link it by Bluetooth to a pedal so it automatically changes. If you've bought the music and you've scanned it into your iPad, you probably can't answer this question, Claire, but do you still have. Are you still okay because you've bought, you've bought the original and you're just.
1: If it's for your own use, I would think. I would think that's probably okay, but I would go and check that. If that was me, I would go and I would check it, because you know there are lots, you know there are lots of orchestras now that use iPads yes. for all their music. So there must be some permission that's granted for each individual use. Yeah, but everyone's got to take their own responsibility. So if I say to you, John Paul, is it okay if I use? Uh, this copy at at this particular point in time, and you say yes, and then I I find out that I'm not, well, that's that's my problem. It's not your problem. It's a bit like saying to someone, is the sea safe to go into? No, the answer is, if you don't think you're capable of swimming in that sea, you don't go in. You take the responsibility. It's the same with copyright. And there are lots of fuzzy areas. But if in doubt, buy the music you know we we want to support the composers and the publishers by the music and there are lots of good deals on places like ebay mm-hmm. for second hand music yep. and often lots of people uh, lots of ex players ex teachers want to sell some of their music so that's a really good way of getting music cheaply
0: and it's one reason why we don't include much music within the podcast because to actually get permission to use Passages, however small, is a nightmare yeah. because you need to go yes. to the original, the, the production company, yes. and
1: I, I had a, a lot of trouble. With this because I generally play my recordings. Yes. Because for me to play someone else's recording is a minefield. Yes. You know, and then, but you have to, you have to pay for it. You know, so it's it's uh, it's really difficult, and that's why when you listen to what is it? You know, there's a we have a program on Radio Four Desert Island Discs. Oh yeah. And they do, um, you can get that as a podcast, but all the clips of music on the podcast are only about 15 seconds long. Because yeah. that's the only amount they're allowed to use. But on the, the live broadcast, you have the full track.
0: So the, the lead-in and, or the intro and outro to the talk, Claire's Talking Flutes is Claire's recording of the v Yeah. So I've
1: given permission. You have.
0: And on Talking Flutes Extra, is. Harry Griffiths the bearded flute player that is on social media and he's ga- gave us permission to use his music. So that is the main reason we don't actually include music within the podcast because even though the performer may give you permission the performer doesn't actually if I'm correct doesn't own the rights to the album does the recording isn't Not that the recording? yeah the recording yes. company yeah. so you'll need to get permission from the recording company to be able to use so it's quite a nightmare and we this is Talking Flutes. We started this, oh, four and a half years ago. Uh, we thought we might get to sort of eight or nine podcasts and 220 later, we just, we, we just do it and we just don't want any hassle and we just sit and talk and that's the way it should be. So the other question I want to ask you is if you are going to, doing a concert, a recital, the copyright still belongs to the composer. Yes. Should you ask the composer permission to perform it
1: not that I'm aware of, but any promoter that books you for a concert has to fill in a form ah. to say what's being performed. So it goes to the royalty people and there is Great. A, There is a, a, a cost to pay. Sure. So that's what happens. So it's up to the music, uh, the venue promoter to make sure that uh, it's all above board and allowed.
0: So music, music, music writing and music tutors, music uh, books, music musical pieces, all com- from various composers around the world, treat them like you would a book, a written book that's been created by an author. You understand why you have copyright there, so follow the same route with copyright on music. That's
1: good point, good point, Yep. Having gone into the field of, of writing books... That was the time when I really became aware of the problems. Because when I first started my flute course in the Lake District, uh, called Lakeland Flutes, I used to do a warm-up class uh, for everybody. And I gave out packs of my exercises. Mm -hmm. And it was Roth that said to me, you know, they take all those exercises away, and yet that's your, Mm. your property. He said, you should put them in a book. And that's when... I first published Flute Aerobics because I thought it's better to give them a a book rather than give them photocopies of my exercises which are then not mine anymore.
0: Can I give a, a similar thing with social media is sometimes you'll find if you scroll through you'll find your picture or one of your posts appearing on somebody else's without any accreditation. That again is photo- If you take a photograph and put it up on social media, if that is your photograph, you have copyright of that photograph. Mm. So you have to get permission or you have to do an acc- accreditation on that post. Mm-hmm. So we can, we, we rightly, if you find your photograph on another flute channel, thinking, well, that's mine, we rightly get sort of quite angry or a bit perplexed that mm-hmm. why somebody's mm-hmm. stolen my photograph. Mm-hmm. And yet, we can quite happily go and photograph a page of a piece of music. Mm. There's a sort of an imbalance there, isn't there? Mm. So let's respect the composers and the creators of these tutor books and buy the books. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. I think we're done. We're done again.
1: Thanks, John Paul.
0: And uh, don't forget to like and rate the podcast on whatever podcast provider you're listening to this on.
1: And write to flutepodcasts at gmail.com with any questions you might have or our designated Facebook page Talking Flutes we're always very happy to hear from you
0: we are and if they're sensible questions you will get them to Claire if they're really stupid and daft questions that's the only things I can answer nowadays so uh, send them to me so take care everybody and speak to you again soon bye